Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanne LaFleur. This is season seven, episode 12. We have today on the podcast, my friend, Ashley Abercrombie. She is all things sunshine and fire and clapbacks and love. And she comes to us from LA. I'm so pumped for you to get to know her if you don't know her yet. Our sponsors on the podcast this season are making it possible for me to be able to bring this conversation to you. So thank you so much to Compassion Canada and the Church Go. If you don't know Compassion Canada, they are helping kids all around the world uh, through the local church, uh, bringing po- bringing people out of poverty and doing justice. And the Church Go is a website building company that does crazy affordable websites that are so well built. You're going to love them. More about them all later. But hey, we want to find you on the Digital Church Facebook group. If you like this community, you want to be part of what's growing here with Word Made Digital, you want to talk more about these issues on digital evangelism and discipleship and what's going on with technology and what does it mean in the metaverse? And hey, what do we do with, um, you know, all these new announcements that are coming out in the world and how do we respond to that as a church in the digital space, as leaders, as Christians, as creative thinkers, communicators, that's what this group is all about. We would love for you to check it out on the Facebook group. Uh, you can find it just by going to you know, go to Facebook and search digital church and you'll find our group. Or uh, there's a link, of course, right here in the show notes. So tap on that and send you over to Facebook and join our group. We'd love to see you there. Of course, there's a whole back catalog of these podcasts here. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe or you can go on YouTube. If you want to see us talk to each other, if that's your thing, you can go and get a whole back catalog of podcasts. We've got a bunch of the seasons up there now. And also tutorials. We have more tutorials coming at you in 2022. So if you don't want to miss them, you got to subscribe on YouTube. Okay. Ashley Abercrombie, who we're talking to today, she's a speaker and a writer. She's been featured in all kinds of magazines and outlets like Darling Magazine, Oprah Mag, Relevant, Grit and Virtue. She's written her own book. She's been a ghostwriter for some known names in the past. And she's got a version devotional, Finding God in the Hard Places, because she loves to go there, talk about the real things. And 250,000 people have done that devotional with her. I love that. And hey, if you remember, we interviewed Tiffany Bloom last season on the podcast. She and Ashley together host the Why Though podcast. So if you like the conversation with Tiffany, we hope you love her counterpart here today. But she has been working in these nonprofit spaces. She's leading faith-based initiatives. She's been a prison chaplain and a pastor. She's lived in the South. She's lived in New York City. She's now in LA. She has sort of this diverse view on the American church from the, you know, the conservative to the liberal and everything in between, which is why I can't wait to talk to her today about conflict, disagreement, and how to have those fierce conversations. Enjoy our conversation today. Here's Ashley Abercrombie. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 7. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Ashley Abercrombie, my friend uh, who lives so far away during a time I wish we could be together. Welcome to Word Made Digital. 
Hi, friend. It's so good to be here with you. And I agree. You're one of those people in the world that I think to myself, I wish we were neighbors. Like, I just like to show up at your house with the casserole if you eat those and just sit down. Oh, wouldn't we have fun? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We'd hang. (laughs) There'd be a lot of guacamole. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be wonderful. (laughs) Um, You know, when you don't just buy one avocado, like you're going to buy like the bag of avocados. That's the kind of hangout we would have. That's exactly (laughs) right. You need need sustenance for the night we would have. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, can you, before we go too far, I mean, people don't need to listen into our personal phone call here. (laughs) Um, uh, Who are you? Please introduce yourself to everybody. Yes. So my name is Ashley and I live in Los Angeles by way of North Carolina, which is the Southeast of the United States. And I've also done a stint in Manhattan. So I have this sort of like wild American experience and, um, I love people. It's one of my passions. I love to serve them. I love to be with people and I'm also introverted. So that's a very weird caveat where I don't actually recharge with people. I need a lot of like downtime and quiet and solitude to feel sane. And I have three little kids. My husband and I um, met and married here in Los Angeles. We've been married for 10 years. And I have an almost seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a little nine-month-old baby girl. So all that means is that I never sleep. And I'm very tired. I'm on maybe my third cup of coffee. <laughs> and I write, and I speak, and I love to connect with people in, through the communication medium. And it's a joy and a pleasure to do that. So thanks for having um, me. Oh, my goodness. It is a pleasure. You are um, a strong communicator Um, a fun follow on the internet. And (laughs) I think you have something really important to say. We're going to get into a bunch of different topics Mm. today. I've prepped you a little bit uh, for that. But um, Mm -hmm. something I didn't prep you for is, is, uh, well, I just want to understand what it means Mm. that you're a ghostwriter because you didn't, you didn't say that, but I'd like to start there because I just, I want to throw you a question you haven't thought about yet. Um, Maybe people need to know what a ghostwriter is, but also like, Mm -hmm. how does that work? How do you write for someone else? Uh, For some people that might sound like a dream job. So uh, explain how you got into that world and what that entails. Okay, great. So I don't do ghostwriting anymore, but I have ghostwritten on nine books prior to the two that I wrote. And I loved being able to partner with people and help them write their book. And so sometimes ghostwriting people have this perception that you sit down with an author and take their idea and just craft and write everything. But you really don't do it exactly that way. You have to pull out stories. You have to pull out their life. You have to pull out the things that they care about, the examples that they want to give, the points that they want to make, the overall theme of a book and kind of, you know, put their voice and their lens into it. So what I like to say about ghostwriting is that I strengthen the voice of the person and bring their best to the table. And some people are wonderful communicators um, verbally, like they are great preachers, they are great speakers, Mm -hmm. they're great with quippy little sound bites, but when they actually sit down to write and they write that way, it doesn't connect with an audience. And so I can help somebody take that kind of quippy, um, you know, preaching voice or that sort of, um, you know, academic communication voice and bring that to a more holistic experience on the page because you cannot write the way you speak. And there should be some conversational elements when you're writing, of course, because that deeply connects with an audience and conversation is what moves a book along. But at the same time, you can't make your, you know, sermons a book. Like you actually have to think through how will this connect and resonate with the person who's on the other end of the page. And so I, I really love serving readers. It is one of my passions. And every time I 
I write something, whether it's for myself or for another person or on a collaborative project with someone, I like to think, you know, who's on the other end of this and what are they receiving and how are we serving them and what are their pain points and what are they dealing with and what is our solution or what are our thoughtful questions? Because sometimes we don't have solutions. You know, you can only have a solution to somebody's grief. But can you offer them something that will bring them through? Can you be a beacon of hope or light to a person who's hurting? Can you step into their individual context with some universal things that kind of might be helpful to them? Then that's what I like to do, you know, really serve people where they're at. Yeah, I love that. And maybe one of the reasons I ask the question is because I think a lot of listeners are quote unquote ghostwriters because they write as the voice of their organization, but not for True. themselves. So mm. if you're um, if you're writing social media posts or yes. um, you're a communications person for your church community or um, you're an EA who writes on behalf of your leader, there's lots of us who are writing on behalf of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we maybe don't think of ourselves as ghostwriters, like as the official title, um, but we're trying to put on a voice that isn't our own. Um, right. Do you have any thinking around how do you how do you get in the voice? It's not you. So how do you get in, I don't know, of a 50-year-old man who you're writing for or whatever? <laughs> or maybe would you say you shouldn't write for a 50-year-old man because you can't be his voice? I'd love to to hear any of your thinking around how to take that voice on. Yeah. So I've written for men and for women of all ages and different ethnicities and different cultural backgrounds and different experiences, different economic classes. So Mm -hmm. I I think you can find a way to serve people. And one of the ways that you do that is to get to know their voice. And if you're already doing the things that you talked about, you're writing emails, you're writing social media posts, you are, you know, responding back. I mean, you're writing with newsletters, all the different ways that we communicate when we're inside of an organization as maybe marketing or PR executive assistants. I think that you are already sort of getting to know the voice of the person you work with. And that's important. And one of the things that I don't do is I don't shield them from anything. (laughs) Like it's like, this is your voice. This is who you are. Like, I'm not trying to make them better. If that makes sense, I'm trying to make them stronger, but I'm not trying to, you know, sort of set up some sort of false image of someone and who they are. Like, I actually want to find out who is this real person and how can I communicate in a way that brings hope and brings life and brings joy to people. And in the, in the midst of the things that we're dealing with and facing, And I think that's really important. And I'm also not trying to insert myself in a way. This type of writing is easier for me personally. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of you listening could relate to that. It's actually easier for me to write in someone else's voice and to learn their way and their methodology and their little statements and the things that, that, you know, that come consistently out of them. But it is much harder to sort of write and strengthen in my own voice. And it's not anymore, but it was at first because, you know, it's more vulnerable to put yourself out there Mm -hmm. like that. It is more, um, you have to figure out who you are, who you're writing to, what your kind of convictions and priorities are, but it's great practice to do that with another person. So yeah, I, I think that all of us, um, who do this work, I think it's holy and sacred work. (laughs) And I think to learn another person and to be able to write on their behalf is, is a good and difficult skill, but it's worth it. I love it. Uh, I think that's really cool. I often think too of like, you know, the You know, if you could say that the writers of the Gospels were ghost writers for Jesus, imagine the pressure (laughs) as they're trying to make sure they say it the way, you know, as they're writing these letters and these stories down, how would he have wanted us to say this? So, So I mean, there's a long history of Christians trying to capture 
ideas for other people. But as you have grown your own voice, there's Mm -hmm. this other thing that you're doing. I'd love to get in your head around, which is you you explain a little more about it, but you're doing this Q and a thing Mm -hmm. on social right now. Um, I think it's just on Instagram. People Mm -hmm. are submitting questions and you're answering them. Uh, tell us about where did that come from? I then I'd love to know too what you're learning, what patterns of some of the kinds of the mm-hmm. questions people are reaching out to you with. Yeah, so you know, honestly, during lockdown last year, when the quarantine first started, I was like, man, I just when my relationships became automatically primarily digital. I felt Mm -hmm. very like, I want to take this phone and throw it off a cliff. Like, I am sick of this. (laughs) What is the point of this? Like, I got to come up with a friggin' Instagram post every day. Like, I don't even care about this. And I, because I moved from being a person who ministers with people on a regular basis to suddenly this entire thing is online. And I really had to like reckon with God about it. And I'm not exaggerating. I didn't want to build like, you know, a million platform, million person follower platform. I was like, this has to mean something to me for me to do it. I, I can't just mm. want followers because to me, it's not motivating enough. It has to mean something. Yeah. It has to count. And so about halfway through the year, I kept asking God, like, does this matter? Cause if it doesn't, I'll delete the whole thing. Like I'm sick of it. I don't want to engage with people this way. And plus people, you know, I don't know how it is in Canada, but in America, they're freaking fighting about everything under the sun. And you post one thing and somebody's cussing you out in the DMS and acting crazy on your page. And so I was like, you know what, this is so not worth it. And I don't have the freaking time nor energy to deal with this. And so I just kept asking God, like, what would make this meaningful? And then I realized, you know what, there's a lot of people asking me questions about leaving their faith community, about church, about justice, about relationships. They were asking me so many questions, um, sometimes via text, sometimes in real life, sometimes in my direct messages. And so I thought, you know what I want to do is just create a space where people could ask. So then I thought, well, what would make sense? And then I I thought of the, just the phrase mentor Monday. And so Mm -hmm. on Sundays, I post like a little question box where people can ask me things. And then I respond in short answers, you know, the, the, you get 15 seconds, right? So it's not a lot of time. And I think that, you know, um, one of my spiritual gifts is word of wisdom. And so I think that sometimes it very naturally flows out of me in a short, concise way. And if I can't answer it, I'll say that. Like, I actually, I'm not the right person to answer this. I don't know what what the best you know way forward is here, but just try to offer people some sort of wisdom. And I have 18 years of recovery work. You know, I'm 18 years sober. I've worked with people for almost that long in the clergy ministry space and have done a variety of different jobs in different sectors and, you know, just have a lot of strange life experience. <laughs> and then same thing, you know, living in North Carolina, Los Angeles, Manhattan, like I've interfaced with a lot of different people. I was a prison chaplain. I've been a pastor, you know, I worked in the entertainment space. Wow. So I feel like, you know, I've just, like I've had like 20 lives, it feels like. And, you know, being a mom of little kids, I've been married for 10 years. It's all the things. And so I found that I would often, you know, online, they tell you to, to sort of find your niche, right? Like the one thing that you talk about, there's so much wisdom in that, right? Like there is a connection, it's consistent. There's all that, but I couldn't do that for myself. I'm like, that's not my life. It's not my history. I'm not going to do that. But mentor Monday was this great space where I found that the whole part of my life could be welcome. And I could also find a way to serve people, which helped me stop despising all this online things that I was having to do. It actually made mm-hmm. me feel like I could be a blessing to people and that I wasn't just trying to build like some dumb platform for what, you know, I really wanted to bless yeah. and serve others. And that, that mm-hmm. mentor Monday, you know, gave me the opportunity to do it. So I'm very thankful. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I think it's great. It's so practical. As you say, 15 seconds or less, here's some wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at some level, obviously wisdom takes 
the it sounds like the opposite of wisdom to do things quick and fast like that. But yes. um, we can also distill some things really quickly. Like yes. if you read a proverb, that's like a that's a fifteen yeah. second piece of wisdom. So yes. Um, are there some themes that are coming? Obviously mm-hmm. people are asking you questions. So there's some mm-hmm. themes because of who you are. They yes. would, wouldn't ask you about, I don't know, probably they're not going to ask you about car repair or their, <laughs> they better not, you know, investment <laughs> portfolios or Definitely something, not. but, but, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, when I, I'm curious to know if there are some themes cause I'm, you know, we need to be better listeners right. hearing these questions you know, for pastors listening or for people who have opportunity on their platform. For for me, I'm doing podcasts. Yeah. What are the things that, that we should, we could be addressing, um, whether it was like a, a sermon series or a teaching opportunity, another extended mentorship, wisdom sharing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's some themes that are standing out to you that people are asking about that we yeah. could serve better if we talked about it more? Yes. You know, what is really interesting. I mean, there is never, since I started this, I have not had a week go by where people don't ask me about something related to church hurt. So I find that to be Uh. very interesting. And it's typically not just one question. It will be maybe one to three every week. And that's a lot. And I think that that has been a really interesting thing, that people being hurt by the church, whether it's just the public witness of the church, or perhaps it's a Christian in their family who suddenly has become very um, dogmatic about a belief and attaching that Mm -hmm. to God. Perhaps it is how to relate to others, how to leave their church that has maybe become to whatever they feel you know, difficult, political, toxic, harmful, unsafe, whatever the word they use, but they want to know kind of how to navigate that. And I think that that is important for us to recognize um, that people, I believe that the church has opportunity for reformation and revival, but I also believe that we are living in a rebuke. And I believe that if we have ears to hear that we can listen to what the the spirit is saying. And I believe that we're, that the Lord is, is chastening us, that he's really saying like, Hey, your witness is not loving. And your witness is not one where people can look at you and see the true light of Jesus. And I contrast that with the Christians who are in my life because the Christians in my life are loving. They are kind. They are generous. They are very sacrificial. They will show up at your door. They are ready and available when somebody's in pain. So it's like, there's this interesting contrast of what I experience in my life. And then what I see in the public news media on social media with the scandals, Mm. with the toxicity, with the leadership changes, you know, I, I think we're in a great transition, but it's time for a rebuke. And I think those who are willing to repent, Christian leaders who are willing to repent, Christian leaders who are just willing to admit like, hey, we don't have it all together. I'm very sorry that we've wounded people, but we still have hope and we still want to journey forward and we're here to learn and we're here to grow. I think that is the church of the future. And I think the people who are the leaders who are doubling down in their pride and doubling down and being right and doubling down and holding on to the old way of doing things, I think that's actually the church of the past. And and we're at this tipping point where people have to make that decision. And I see it every week, you know, and people are hungry to connect. They haven't walked away from Jesus. They don't even want to walk away from spiritual community. They just do not want to be under toxic, difficult leadership. Like that's it. That's the bottom line. (laughs) This conversation with Ashley is brought to you by Compassion Canada. I know we're sort of in this situation right now, especially with international travel, wondering, can we travel or not? Should we, shouldn't we? Is it safe? Where is safe? Will we get stuck somewhere if we go? Will we get sick somewhere if we go? Uh, it's been 
you're not able to do that yet, uh, I know like me, I've been dying to go somewhere. So what we can do instead, if we're looking for just an alternative way to go around the world, go to compassion.ca and you can, in a way, travel around the world. There's so many ways that you can be part of transformation in the world through Compassion Canada and how it's bringing that transformation to communities. So like in Uganda, you can help bring laptops for online learning, or you can help reopen business in Mexico or help build a new home in Rwanda. There are 25 countries where you can make a difference and even a few dollars can go a long way. So you can go to compassion.ca slash donate and check it out and transformation for And, and then getting some time away over the last year for a lot of people who, um, for the first time in a long, ever or in a long time, t- getting away physically from, from gathering as church, you can say, hold on, time out. Yes. Do, did I like, was this helpful? Was this harmful? Did I like this? Wow, I felt really overworked at that church and underappreciated, even just yep. as a volunteer, you know, whatever it may be. Yep. People are asking these big questions. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you may have just happened to have written a book all about these issues. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, maybe this is our meandering way. Love is a resistance, your latest book that's just come out. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't clued in yet, everybody listening, she's a good writer uh, <laughs> and she's a good communicator. So you're going to enjoy, it's a great read. Some books are harder to read than others because the writers are not as good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, but but there's this whole thing in your book where when we're talking about love as a resistance, there's this issue of conflict, right? You're mm-hmm. you're kind of talking about that and there's been conflict in the church, there's conflict in communities. You wear a mask, you don't wear a mask, you get the yes. vaccine, you don't get the vaccine, you yep. I don't know, women, LGBTQ, whatever it is, yes. there's all these all these sort of issues circulating in cult in church culture. Yeah. And there's conflict. Uh, we're not good at conflict, no. which is why people get hurt and leave because they never even talked about it or mm-hmm. they've tried to talk about it and people weren't able to. So, so as broad as that whole thing is, yes. tell me what your some of your thinking around conflict and how we can do that better as mm-hmm. you wrote about in your book. Yes. Well, as I've already alluded to earlier, and as you just said, I was looking around last year. I mean, this hit me really hard in 2016 too, but it hit me like double hard last year when I'm sitting in lockdown. And I'm thinking to myself, like, are you guys kidding me? Like one of the things we suck so hard at is conflict. Like we just are unable to speak the truth kindly and candidly. And we are unable to be curious enough about others to not villainize or demonize them. If their beliefs or their opinions or their way of living or their way of voting or participating civically in the world is different than ours. Why are we so unable to tolerate difference, especially as believers who serve a God who not only commands us and invites us to love, but commands us and invites us to love even our enemy. So what are the people of God really out here in these streets doing? And so I think that, (laughs) you know, like, what is going on? How did we go? So we kind of adventures in missing the point. Yeah. I mean, 100%. And so I think as I looked at that, I thought to myself, 
myself, well, wait a minute, I have an offering to make here. You know, I have 18 years of recovery work. I have had to become a completely different person. I have had to learn and to tolerate difference. I've had to unlearn the way that I was taught love. You know, I love Mike Foster. He says that we learn love from people who do not love us. And so not only are we learning love from people in our homes of origin who do love us, who do care for us in our schools, in our maybe faith communities, if we had that growing up in our, you know, after school programs, our extended relatives, like people who really loved us, we also are learning love from people who did not love us. And most of us do not grow up in households where we are taught how to resolve conflict effectively or efficiently. We are either learning how to sweep conflict or issues under the rug. We are taught which emotions cannot be present at the table. We are taught which topics we're not supposed to talk about. And then we are also, or we're taught in the other way to be volatile, to be very aggressive. And that is just the opposite end of the spectrum. But there is this third way in the middle that's assertive communication, where I can speak kindly kindly and candidly the truth, where I can speak clearly about what I think, feel, and believe, what I hope to see, and where I can tolerate another person doing the same. And we have not been taught these skills. And what's important about that is that anything you've been taught, you know, can, anything you learn can be unlearned. And anything that you need in the, in the zone of communication can be learned also. So we, we can gain new skills. We can learn to do these things and we can begin to be brave and we can unlearn this idea of perfectionism that keeps us from engaging in messy, difficult conversations. Because sometimes we think if we come to the table without the right words, if we come to the table not knowing exactly how to navigate it, that we shouldn't do it. And the truth is all conflict is a little messy. All tension is a little messy and most conflicts need a few conversations, not one to be resolved. Yeah. That's what happens in every relationship. And conflict is completely normal. And so that's why I wrote this book is because I wanted us to better understand ourselves, better understand the context context that other people are living from and better ha and have better tools to be able to relate to each other and talk to each other. It's so important that we get this. Well, Yes, I think we all can do better at doing the conflict thing. And yet also, I think some of us out of this, because redemption is possible, reconciliation, yes. forgiveness, these are Christian values, mm -hmm. then we stay too long sometimes in a place that is unwilling to do that work with us. Absolutely. So how do you know then it's time to go? Like you, yeah. like if you genuinely have tried to do the conflict thing, yeah. uh, sometimes it's time to go. Girl, yes, 100%. There are necessary endings in life. There are necessary endings to relationships. Sometimes there are people in our family that we can no longer engage with because the relationship is toxic or hurtful. I know plenty of people who have thought as Christians that they're supposed to stay in relationship with an abusive person in their family, with a parent or with a caretaker or a caregiver. And it's like, wait a minute, are they changing? You know, if they're not changing, how can you stay in a close relationship yeah. with them? You actually can't. And then we repeat that pattern from our childhood in our adulthood. And we do it on our jobs. And at church, we believe loyalty is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, but it is actually not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It right. is, you know, we don't have to be loyal to something that is hurtful and harmful and toxic for us. And same thing in friendships, same thing in so many spaces of our lives. We do not have to stay in those relationships. There are necessary endings in life. And I think that, especially in the Christian space, I don't know if this was your experience, Joanna, but I had been taught like to leave you know, is going to put me kind of on the outside. And I've been taught that to leave makes me um, not loyal to God. And it's like, wait a minute, 
wait a minute, because I leave a space doesn't mean I lose Jesus and and doesn't mean that I lose God's purpose. And it doesn't mean that I'm suddenly stepping out of the will of God. Like the Bible says, no one can snatch us out of his hand. No one doesn't Mm -hmm. have, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. You know, so I think that we have to realize that there are times where relationships need to end uh, or where perhaps others need to end relationships with us because we are unwilling to change and we are unwilling to grow and we are unwilling to do the necessary hard work, but it's always reciprocal. And to your point about forgiveness, you know, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. You know, me forgiving somebody who has deeply wounded and hurt me does good to my own soul. It frees me up from seeing life through the lens of what they've done to me. And so that, that, that brings me great freedom to forgive. But reconciliation means that there are two people participating and without some sort of recovery journey, there can be no reconciliation. You actually have to do hard work on both sides for, for a relationship to be reconciled. And not everybody's willing to do that. And that's okay, but I'm gonna bless you in Jesus name. And I got to go. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, it's the book. If you're, you're using the phrase necessary endings, Henry Cloud's book. Yes. If you're wrestling through the end of something. Yes. I'm going to butcher it, but there's three kinds of people. There's a wise person, a foolish person, and a dangerous person. Yeah. And a wise person you can work stuff out with. Yes. A foolish person you can't work stuff out with because they're foolish. They don't mean to be, but the yes. result is the same. And a dangerous person is a person who's quite deliberate or intentional in yeah. their their things. Yes. And either way, foolish or or dangerous, you need to end. It's a necessary ending, but yes. the reasons are a little different. There's my real quick butchered summary of his book, but it was significant it was for me. As a person who felt like, well, we're always supposed to be, be in relationship and reconcile. And there's no. some limits to where you c- can't continue in a healthy way. You've tried to do the conflict thing um, and others aren't willing to, to, or unable or unwilling to go there with you. Yes. Um, a question I have around this whole thing when we're talking about like we're in a divisive time, mm-hmm. uh, polarizing time. Do you think this is unique what I mean is, I think we sometimes in, in lots of parts of life, we romanticize the past. We like the past was mm. like, it was better than the good old days. Mm. Um, I think not, again, you're not a sociological expert, historical totally. expert, but just in your own gut and as an, as an American, as a church mm-hmm. girl, um, what would you say is different about this time than it has been in history? Right. Well, I think about Ecclesiastes where King Solomon writes that there's nothing new under the sun. And I think like, mm-hmm. you know, there have been plenty of times in the last couple of years where I've been like, Jesus, if you want to come on back now, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm right. <laughs> isn't it the worst it's ever been? And I think back like, no, are you kidding? Look at World War II, World War I, the Civil War. I mean, you just, you keep going back throughout history, um, uh, you know, to the beginning of time. I mean, just read the book of Genesis. It's like, it's worse than Jerry Springer. There is like, is there anything redemptive <laughs> in it? You know, you're just like, these people are crazy. Like, it's like, no wonder God sent the flood. Like it had to be done. You know, that's sometimes how I think. And I I think that we sometimes think we're very special in that way and that it's always the worst it's ever been. But I think to myself, gosh, like, you know, when people were at war, 
in the in the 40s and 50s and 60s like they couldn't even call each other there was no facebook like you were writing letters from other countries hoping right. that your loved one was going to make it like what kind of severe torture is that and i just i look back and think man the way that women have had to live throughout the ages you know i mean so it's nothing new under the sun all to say that but i will say the difference potentially is the way that we're all interconnected through digital media and the way that we have access to world news and constant crises on our phone all the time. And the way that we are being formed in an echo chamber because of what we choose to follow online and what we choose to listen to online. And really, at the end of the day, what is pastoring us every day? Because a little mm -hmm. church service on Sundays and maybe even a little small group for two hours, like that's what, three, four hours of your week? That is not enough to form you. So what is really actually forming your faith? So in that way, I think that's the thing that's new is that our access to global news, our access to pain, our access to trauma is not only causing great deals of anxiety and loneliness and isolation, but it's also desensitizing us to things like violence, to things like pain. And so there is this really interesting thing that has never happened before. Um, but again, yeah. nothing news under the sun. Like God might not come back for a long time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much to The Church Co for making this season possible. I love the guys at The Church Co. I've been talking about them for a long time, long before they became a sponsor of this podcast because they're literally building people websites for free. And I've used them with a ton of our clients now at this point with Word Made Digital. And if you sign up, you choose a plan, and then they have a team of web designers who will build you a website at no additional charge. You might already have a website, but you need an upgrade and honestly their sites look as good or better than sites that are going to cost you thousands more dollars and they have a lot of unique features with the church in mind they don't just do it's called the church go so their focus is affordable websites for church but even if you're a leader you're a small business they will help you but they have these features for churches like church online chms integrations digital prayers small groups events they can do sermons and a ton more the best part of course is the price it's just $29 a month as a starting price. And right now they're offering listeners of this podcast 20% off if you use the code digital. Digital is the code like word made digital. Honestly, if you need a new website, no brainer. You got to check them out. The link's down in the description. And you can use that discount code digital to save 20% at the church code. It's that like, uh, you know, love your neighbor, a big, you know, a big theme of the mm -hmm. purpose of your book, of the, your most recent book. And yet when your neighbor is not just your neighbor anymore, right. your neighbor yeah. is the people of Afghanistan, mm -hmm. that your neighbor is, um, you know, devastating um, hmm. floods or fires or um, fam. There's, there's like for the first time in years, you know, famines are coming up. Yep. Uh, because of climate, you know, climate yes. disa related disasters or whatever. Like now it's not just like, like we're ignoring the neighbor we, we know down the road yeah. or, you know, a few, a few, a few kilometers, there's my Canadian coming out, a few kilometers, <laughs> a few miles, a few miles away. And, uh, is this overwhelm of, of the whole world is on fire. Mm -hmm. The world is on fire. Mm -hmm. And, and it can yeah. feel like we're not doing a good job locally or globally. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I agree with you. And I, I also, you know, I'm going to say something that maybe is controversial to some 
who love justice and love Jesus, and I'm one of those people, but I'm telling you, we weren't designed to carry all this. So if you decide yeah. to take on every cause and you decide to get up in arms and make yourself sick, worrying about things you have no control over, like it will not be good for your mental or emotional or spiritual health. You know, my dear friend, Chanel Docoon, she is such a powerful person. And she talks about these three buckets that we have in our lives. And she talks about the first one being our bucket of concern. Like these are things we care about. We deeply care about refugees. We deeply care mm. about, you know, fires and climate change, like things we care about. And then there's a second bucket that is things we care about, we're concerned over, that we have some influence over. Perhaps our voice of advocacy could make a difference. Perhaps, you know, we could influence something in that zone related to those things that we care about, climate change or refugees or whatever it might be. And then the third bucket, which is where we want to give the most energy to, is where we have a concern over something, we have influence over something, and we also have a little bit of control over something. And that's the place that we need to give the most energy to. And that is the place where we can make the most difference. But if we spend our time on only the things that we're concerned about, I'm concerned about everything. I can't live like that. I can't be a good <laughs> mom like that. I can't yeah. be a good wife like that. I can't be a good friend like that. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm concerned all the time. I'm upset or pissed about things that I actually have zero ability to change. And I cannot live that way, Joanna. And I don't actually think any of us can. So we do have to figure out what is within my wheelhouse. And a lot of that localizes the things that we're dealing with. Maybe your city actually has refugees. Great. Make a difference there. Do something about it. Like show up, serve, you know, give, or perhaps there is a fire that's happening in your state. Well, what can you do there? Right? So it's got to be more localized. If we're just constantly in right. that anxiety zone, we are not going to live a good mm. life. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, speaking about the anxiety zone, I don't want to leave this conversation without getting your insight here on, you know, anxiety, depression, escalating mm -hmm. in yes. part, we think studies seem to indicate because of addiction to screens, Yes, this addiction to the new, you know, the news cycle that now we're getting, you know, primarily on our phones, Yes, you know, uh, the news alerts and the Fox news or CNN, whatever it is. But, um, you know, as you've shared openly, you've written about this, mm -hmm. you come from a history of your own addiction, mm -hmm. not to the screens, but to other things. Yes. Um, give us some advice. Uh, a lot of us are addicted Mm -hmm. What do we do? Mm -hmm. We're stuck. We can't break this cycle. How do we get help? What's that first step? Yeah. <laughs> um, what would be some of your insights for all of us who are in this anxiety-ridden mm -hmm. addiction to screens? Yes. I feel like you're asking me this question at such a pivotal time. And here's why. Because, uh, you know, 18 months ago when all this started, I had a very different rhythm, a very different way of Sabbathing, a very different everything. And then constantly being at home, locked down, like it, it changed everything. I, I'm not even sure what replenishes me or refreshes me anymore. And I'm relearning all of these things. But about six weeks ago, the Lord took me back to a passage that was very significant to me in Isaiah. It's in Isaiah 30. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says this, and repentance and rest will be your salvation and quietness and trust will be your strength. And then it says, but you would have none of it. 
And I thought to myself, oh my God, I just felt so clearly like this, this aha moment, this light bulb moment where God was like, you are having none of it. This repentance and rest, uh, quietness and trust, you are not having it. And then I went back can to- Can you say the scripture reference yes, again? People I, are going to want to go look that absolutely. up. Absolutely. Isaiah 30, read the whole thing, but Isaiah 30, 15 is right where the Lord had me. And then I went back to read the whole passage and the beginning of it talks, like it basically opens by saying, woe to you, obstinate children. And then it goes on to talk about how we make plans. <laughs> you don't know me. Okay. You don't know my life. I'm like, crap. And then he's like, you make plans, but I'm not in them. And you go charge hills, but I'm not with you. And you, you know, you're trusting in the ways of Egypt. You're trusting in the wow. ways of this world, not my ways. And I began to think like, gosh, me deep diving. And my whole life is online. A lot of my work is online. So, and you know, many of you out there will relate to this because you can't exactly turn your screens off all the time. Like it actually is where right. your life and your livelihood is. And that's true for me. And I felt felt so strongly from the Holy Spirit. Like, Ashley, you're trusting in the ways of this world and you are doing it, not my way. And um, what the Lord led me to do, and maybe this will bless some of you, is fast. I mean, and take a Sabbath. Like, I need to rest. So on Friday nights, what I do is Friday nights, sometime between six and eight, I turn off all social media and I do not turn it back on again until Sunday afternoon when I pop a question box in to do Mentor Monday. And I rest from Friday night to Sunday afternoon. And just doing that the last six weeks, Joanna, has made me a different person. I feel peaceful. Oh. I feel okay. I feel like my work is going to be good because always what a Sabbath does is it reminds us that we are not God, that we are not the glue of the universe, that we, God can do more in our rest than he can do in our striving. And it localizes like repentance and rest will be your salvation. Quietness and trust will be your strength. And Paul writes to Timothy about this. He says, strive to live a peaceful and quiet life. And there is nothing in this world that will steer you that direction. There is nothing online that will steer you toward a peaceful and quiet life. That is something that we cultivate in the daily rhythms, in the way we walk with God, in the way we walk with others, in the way we participate in the world. And that I think is so critical for us to understand that we're not in charge wow. and that we didn't, we weren't created to carry the weight that we put on ourselves through all of our digital consumption. So hopefully that's helpful. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, I feel blessed just listening to you. I feel convicted and encouraged. One of my questions that I wanted to end with today, I mean, there's so much we didn't have time for. I wanted to get into talk conversation about cancel culture. Mm. I wanted to get into, you know, a few other things, but, you know, just for the sake of time, mm -hmm. um, my, my question was, where did you, where do you need grace? right mm -hmm. now in your life mm -hmm. and where do you want to extend it to other people? So would, would you yeah. just, as a close, would you share a little bit, just, you know, something going, maybe you've already shared it in kind of what you've already said, but mm -hmm. we'd love to hear and just like for you to bless others with some grace as we leave. I love that. So where I need grace right now is in my parenting. You know, the last 18 months of having kids home constantly, we actually have not had any childcare or support for 18 months. And it's been very hard. And I've wondered at times if I'm doing anything correctly. And so I think I need grace in my parenting. And then where I'd like to offer grace to others is I would like to have hope for change. I would like to believe that people whose beliefs that I deeply despise, people whose beliefs that I believe are actually making us worse, that their 
is hope for change. And I don't want to write people off. And I think that in the past couple of years, I've been very tempted to do so. And in some cases probably have. And I would like to believe that, you know, change is always possible. That is, and I want you guys listening to have grace to believe that change is still possible, that God is still working in people's lives. Right. Amen. Ashley, it's a delight to talk to you. There's so much wisdom in there. Thank you for sharing it. There's, you know, probably 10 questions we didn't get to. We just don't have time today. But if people want more of you, if people want to get your book, tell us where they can get it or when it's coming out. Give us give us the good stuff. Yes, I would love that. Well, you can buy the book wherever it's sold. If you like the the, the digital version, Amazon. the audio book. Yeah, Amazon is great. So we have the audio book, the Kindle version, and then the regular um, copy. And I really do believe it's an offering to help us grow, to help us rethink the way we relate, to help us connect to others in a deep and abiding way, and to do the hard work that we need to, to journey forward together. So I hope you guys will get that and be blessed. (laughs) Awesome. Ashley, see you on the internet real soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Ashley, thank you so much. Love any chance we have to chat. Next week on the podcast, we're talking to Zach Windall. He's from a company called The Brand Sunday. Maybe you've seen him on social. Uh, The brand is kind of blown up and they do like these whole walk through the Bible plans. We're going to talk about um, what they create. And also we're going to go to business school with Zach next week. We're talking about building business, entrepreneurship, thinking through failure, success, how many times that happened to him before he found the thing that people actually wanted to buy from him, which is these amazing, you know, Bible content pieces. And um, yeah, we're going to love the conversation. I learned so much talking to Zach. I think you're going to love it. And we'll have a giveaway of uh, some of his stuff. So definitely want to tune into that to figure out how you can get your hands on the brand Sunday content and gear and swag. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Compassion Canada and The Church Co. for making this whole season possible. Love you guys. Shout outs to them. Please go check out the links in the show notes to see more of what they're all about. And as always, go to our YouTube channel, a whole back catalog you can subscribe to of our tutorials and our podcast seasons. You're going to love it. And also always you will find us and can't wait to see you in the Digital Church Facebook group. Link in the description for all these kinds of things. And we'll see you next week with Zach Window. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world. 